When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr, driving the bus. Welcome into it, Nebraska, Purdue Week. And it's finally kickoff here at 11. Can join us this morning. Dial us up, 466-3776-466-377-800-825. 5865. Email Chris at com, Mark at HaleVarsity.com. And uh, give us all a follow on Twitter. And find us on Twitter at Mark Skurs, at Schmidt underscore radio, at Damon Barr. That's two R's with Barr. As we will all maybe visit one uh, at home or uh, maybe do a little drive through, drive up uh, alcohol. Pick up and go to get through this bastard. It'll, it'll, Cranach, how optimistic are you? Good morning. Well, I don't know. I was looking. Good morning. I look. I, I appreciate your text this morning. I said um, good morning. I I I no no. I, I was. I, I, I ate pizza. I had a vodka or two last night, and I went home, and I just kind of got lost watching Netflix, and I stayed up. Way later than I usually stay up, couldn't sleep. That's well, because you're so excited about this game, I can tell. And you also had a lot of time to think about topics. Clearly. Because you sent across a a nice laundry list of topics. And I was just thinking, I was like, that's a lot of stuff to talk about, considering it's just going to be another loss in Nebraska. We'll fall to 10 and 20 under Scott Frost. Wow. You you are really going there. uh, You're the most optimistic, beer half full forget Purdue Pete guy I know every year that Nebraska's played Purdue and this is you know year three trying to avoid the offer if you're a Nebraska fan you've been very realistic on things but you're also a high level optimist you're a positive guy and well and Vegas has heard you because this thing's continued to dwindle down Uh, I think uh, you're Outreach has been heard by some of those in black and gold with the number of mystery opt-outs. <laughs> this is setting up for Nebraska to take on a team that's worse than them in special teams, a team that has uh, a former defensive coordinator that, that still has scarred Nebraska fans and is scarring Purdue fans. Now, the defense isn't, isn't as horrible as it's been made out to be, but it's still in good. And you have all these other items swirling on top of the fact Nebraska can put a little run together and change the 
trajectory of this 10 and 19 number you hit on, and you can still get out of 2020 alive by just playing pretty clean football because the teams that you're going to be lined up against here, Purdue, hopefully Minnesota, maybe Rutgers, uh, possibly Michigan, I mean, those are all beatable teams, but you just haven't seen Nebraska, seen Nebraska put four quarters. Nebraska <laughs> could beat anybody, bro. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, because you're just like you're <laughs> just, just right don't. there. You're you're hitting the the leftovers uh, a week ago, and you're just like son of a gun. It it didn't happen. It looked like it might a new or a similar way to snap victory. And here come the jaws of defeat. I, and I think I, people, I, I, I think I think today can go okay as long as you just don't try and get too cute. You know what I worry about? We can talk red zone defense. We can talk special teams. We can talk Purdue scoring on big plays, and we can talk Nebraska's running game. We can get on the offensive line. We can hit snaps. We can do all of those things. But I love the ego battle that is very real between these two head coaches. With how big is my playbook? How big is my brain? And how uh, uh, what what are my what's my style points rating? Because that ended up screwing Nebraska last year. Hmm. And there's probably a little bit to that. I don't know. Think uh, of the play calling last year in the red well, zone. Where, well, where how, Nebraska... how is it different than other years? What or other games? Well, Nebraska's rushing attempts were not. Right, it was the bubble pass. That was death to the bubble pass last year, inside the five. I think I blocked it out honestly, after a, after a Darian Daniels. Oh, it's going to be a, a big guy touchdown <clears throat> taken down at the one. You settle for three, one, and it's yeah, yeah. and it's ten nothing. You could have drilled Purdue, and they hang around, hang around, and what happens? It's a quarterback keep. Uh, a little bootleg deal to put Purdue up and seal it in. And, man, the, the, the Purdue loss last year. I blocked it out. Kept Nebraska out of a bull game. The Purdue loss last year was a, a, a sequel to just how awful you felt because you'd already witnessed Colorado, okay, from, from, from earlier in the season. And it's a chance to, to write some marks. Purdue's been gritty this year. I'll give them that. I mean, they started out 2-0. and They've lost three in a row. But they have just the way that they competed without Brom, without Rondale Moore most of the year. They go beat Iowa. They, they've had the right attitude. And, and Brom's fun. Their offense is fun. David Bell's really awesome. Their tight end's good. And then you get the guy who's probably – Still has his sweatpants pulled up to his nipples and Bob Diaco. I mean, so there's a lot of interesting storylines on the field or heading into this. Starting with Bob Diaco's nipples. Uh (laughs) Well, come on. We all remember. I did not have that on my Schmidt bingo card this morning. Listen, I knew you would talk Bob Diaco. I did not know we would talk about pepperonis. We all we all remember the picture (laughs) of him on the practice field. And then some of us were between where Damon and I are at here in this studio, probably a nice little underhand pitch from second or short to second base, right, to start the double play. There were so many post games uh, in 2017 or media moments where he's holding the microphone like it's a roach clip. I mean, so it's... (laughs) 
you know, there's, luck, there's, there's, there's that season out too. <laughs> so this is about memory recall for you. This is the way I cope. I don't remember a lot about Husker football outside of 1997. Yeah. Uh, That's your fallback. Everything else, I'm just kind of blocking out. Uh, look, we can talk about a lot of things. There are a lot of topics. I just get the sense, <laughs> even though Nebraska was not favored by uh, favored against Iowa last last year, which is a whole nother conversation about what at what point are you going to start to be favored over like anybody? Um, that aside, maybe steps. It's just Mark. like people are out of like. You're out of excuses and reasons and it, like, right? I, I just sense the the frustration level. This isn't just me. I'm just since the frustration level I've sensed with fans is that kind of tried everything. It's like, ah, wait till Frost gets his guys in. Ah, it's a quarterback. You got to get a, you know, a quarterback's a freshman. Yeah, you, you got to, uh, you, you know, you got to get settled there. Um, oh, the culture. You got to get the culture right. You got to, like, you've taught, you've broken down everything. Right. But you're now well into year three. And it's just like, bro, you got to get some W's, man. Like, you know what I mean? And I even I even got the sense that Frost himself was sort of finally like that. He's like final straw last. Yeah, we we can talk about culture and we can talk about snaps and we can talk about uh, which quarterback should start and offensive line development and black shirts. And when do we hand it? <laughs> just get just a W win the ball. Win like, the ball it's time game. to get W's man. It just is. It's just time to get W's because look, we can all see. I can anyways. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. The, to me, the team looks like they're physically more ready to go than they have been in years. They just do. They just they look they look in better shape. They hit harder. They seem to not necessarily tire out during a game. They right. Like, they they just got those things in place. Uh, but you're you're lost offensively right now. You're just lost. It just it, you you can't see what's even trying to be built. You you know what I mean? You're you're just like because think about how greedy. This and this is my thing right here. This is this is kind of my number one thing that we talked about even a couple years ago, Chris, where it was like the thing that Frost is trying to build is the fastest team and the biggest team. And now you're kind of neither one of those things. And do you remember we were talking about that? It's like if you're if you are building the fastest and the biggest team, um, you're Alabama. Sure. Guess what? There's not a lot of Alabamas. There isn't. You ain't going to be Alabama. They recruit insanely well. They develop insanely well. They are two for two. Yeah, it's like, well, right. And they and they recruit giant, fast human beings. And there's only so many of those. That get screamed at by somebody that's five foot two and a Chi-Chi Rodriguez hat <laughs> if they miss a snap. Right. But guess what? Kind of, they have kind of kids. For punishment, they, they have kids that can can get screamed at. <laughs> but it's like, but yes, listen, who, where, what are you trying to be on offense? Like for real, what are you trying Mario, to be? Super Mario answered that this week. Well, it's flexible. Okay. Nebraska wants to be flexible. Look, Tom Osborne wanted to be multiple, but at the end of the day, and that's what he said. And they were to a at degree. At the end of the day, he was physical. Good night. Right. 
Thank you. And and it's literally been every offense since Osborne, Osborne included. They all say that. We want to be multiple. We want to be flexible. We want to be able to throw our pass. Uh, Solich said that. Callahan said that. Pelini said that. <laughs> like Riley said that. It's everybody wants to wants to be that. I get it. But what do you hang your hat on? Like really, what do you hang your hat on? Right now, what Nebraska hangs his hat on is the quarterback scramble. Mm-hmm. Not the designed no quarterback. No longer stuff. the draw. It is morphed yeah. into the scramble. The scramble is great in flag football. And it's wonderful on third and eight. I'm telling you, bro, four a- times Able again. 13, Able 13, oh, circa 1995. It is Al Bundy story time with Cranach this morning. Able 13, flag football team, circa 1995. Wait, was that a co-ed floor? It was. Dude, I, I my, my floor was, God, what was it, six? We were the non-co-ed floor, so I had a bunch uh-huh. of engineering geeks. There's, then they yeah. got me through math. God love them. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I... I I moved to 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 Able Four, and that was co-ed. And there were so many blondes and bathrobes; it was sweet. Yeah, I mean, it was stuff. it was just. Sorry, go ahead. That's good stuff. It, no, it really is. Uh, and by the way, like coronavirus would not have stood a chance compared to all the other viruses that were just. Kind we had a guy in the cor- we had, that we, had floor. A, we had a guy in the corner dorm on Able Four that he had some sort of virus. <laughs> he just <laughs> a lot of black lights. Uh, had a lizard. Kept uh, on good. hours. Good for him. Didn't shave mm. a lot, but he was popular. Okay. okay. <laughs> Played Probably a lot of Bob smelled, Marley. Yeah. Smelled a little ripe. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, uh, my able thirteen. Um, Jesus, we went able thirteen. <laughs> my able thirteen flag football team. Our go-to play was the quarterback scramble. Were you, just, it worked were, great. You, were you the quarterback? Sometimes. You know, we, we mix it up. setting it up. You know, we mix it up. It worked great then. You know, because they would have a, they would usually assign like a slow person as the quarterback, the, you know, guy that rushes the passer. Right. So everybody just flood downfield. Or the asthmatic. Or flood to one side and then slow guy comes and rushes you. Quarterback scramble, first down. It was great. Great way to move the chains. That was flag football, though, hmm. for Able 13. All right. <laughs> we weren't on scholarship uh, for a reason. Um, this is Division One football, brother. This is and this is brother. Yeah, exactly. And this is, and the, the irony of it is it is a Division One football team coached by Scott Frost, who has probably the best roster of football influences of anybody that's ever lived. That's and I'm not fair. that's not hyperbole. That's fair. <laughs> look who he's played for, look who he's following? worked with, look who he's coached for. Yeah. Yeah. You just followed with that's fair. When I just, I mean, that was very high. It was a lot of hyperbole. That but, is, dude, we can all listen. tough to argue with, right? <laughs> like, name a Walsh, person on the planet Osborne, Tomlin, Bill uh, Walsh. I, yeah, I've already hit those. Parcells. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear but it. he got to play with Keyshawn Johnson Sr., which I'm sure was a highlight of his life. What, where is Keyshawn Jr. now? Come on. Uh, he's probably think maybe if, if he was here, everything would be better. He's smart, he's at Lake Havasaw. There, there, there you go. Um, so that's the irony in all this, right? Is like 
he is the coaching wonder kind. He is the offensive genius. He has, and there's no reason to believe that he isn't because you've seen it. You've seen some really good stuff. But here he is, and they, dude, they, they're the best offense they can muster right now is a quarterback scramble. It's the Granak run it, ready break. A la Abel 13. Uh-huh. Like, so let's let's football. let's dive in, what? dude. There's no that's what you can muster. There's no way we can answer why, but we're all asking it, and you're all weary about kickoff today at eleven because if they win, well, they're supposed to, and good. All right, there's there's your reaction. If they don't, you, what little glimmer of hope or care may be gone. Because this has been a trying year, needless to say, and you're, you're you're quickly moving from just thankful for football to son of a bee. Why did we even play? <laughs> and and on top of all of these things that that we can get into today and how huge this game is, you've got national media going with the hot seat talk from Yahoo on their podcast. Yeah, I'm so, I'm tired of seeing Nebraska coaches on those lists. Well, yes. no, no, I, but, but this, wouldn't you say but there's not honestly, even there's not even a reality to it though. That's what's that you know you go do what you do and in, in three years and and Riley's gone. You have a change at the uh, in the administrative level. Bo's cranking out nine or ten win games. Boom, he's gone. But you got Moose and you got these facility things you're working on. And yet you have Pete Thamel and whoever else from Yahoo launching the old headline where you got a picture of Frost and Tom Herman together about, you know, teams and coaches on the hot seat. And they can't be more further from the truth. You can grumble and and have doubt and be ticked off at the way the season's going. And 10 and 19 is what it is. But, I mean, it, it was to the point where Moose was like, what the hell's this? And, you know, he's doing an interview with our buddy Mitch Sherman. And I think Moose was really pissed because, listen, you need more recruiting wins. And Nebraska's recruited on paper at a really nice level, Crane Act, but they've not been they able have. to keep they've consistently. Not, they've not been able to keep these dudes here. So no. that, that's that's another wart to talk about because yeah. you're that's going, a problem. It is because you're going after guys that fit the talent profile. They sure, not all of them, but some don't fit the psychological profile of air quote good teammate or, hey, the good kids will rub off on the disgruntled kids, right? You, you've you heard coaches talk about that for years. Well, no, kids are packing their bleep and leaving if they don't get their way. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's happening in droves if you're from South Florida. Well, yeah, look, there there's a lot happening within there. Because the the fact is, Nebraska's losing close to forty percent of their signees. But like eh, that's a number. Yeah, and and that's not just that's not just guys that aren't contributing. You and honestly, you could expect in any given recruiting class, you know, a good forty percent not to be, you know, necessarily big time contributors in their whole sure. career. But they're at least around. They're, they they at least <laughs> right. they at least show on the practice field for a couple yeah. of years why they're not big time contributors on Saturday. Yeah. yeah, it's a problem. And so 
you, you better look hard at that. And Frost, Frost alluded to it uh, this week during the press conference right. saying, we got to make sure we get the right kids for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Yes. But, but now it's, but, but again, <laughs> like, back to the year three, back to 10 and 19, back to, look, a, a winning season can fix it. A winning a winning streak can make things you would think better in the locker room. That's the other thing. What's going on? Because it, it got pretty introspective about coaching and connecting and how do you talk to kids and who's who's the culture keeper. And, you know, once or twice a year we get back to culture and some folks just are wore out by it. But it's so true. I mean, who's 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 listened to in that locker room? Who's enforcing in the locker room? If, by all accounts, you got a couple of kids that are just two examples that you and I have heard about that aren't uh, aren't necessarily going to lifts or thinking the rules don't apply to them. I mean, do you have a double standard going on within the locker room? Because if the, if the, if they're not listening to their peers or a peer is not saying, "Look, dude, I'm gonna call you out and make you get to to, to lift or team meal or whatever," then then it's the head coach's job to enforce all that. Is there mm. frustration within the walls about playing time? Is there frustration within the walls about, well, dude, I'm doing everything right Monday through Friday, but yet I'm not playing legitimately. Right. I mean, yeah, there, is there, that a there's, thing? There, yeah, is that a thing? I mean, yeah. and then are guys, are guys ready to go on Saturday or what's their, what's their give a crap level like? I'm not saying they're quitting. Uh, on yeah. on on the field, no, they're going to play hard, but you've got all this stuff swirling around. When well, all, all all you really want is to go out and play good, clean football for four quarters. <laughs> I I found it illuminating. I engaged with it on Twitter. I, mm-hmm. I retweeted Drew Brown a couple weeks ago, kicker. Yeah, but obviously a Husker guy through and through. The the old the old don't play grab ass on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah, he tweeted that out. He's like, maybe we should quit jacking around on Fridays. <laughs> you know, after they were showing like clips of Fast Fridays and Nebraska players essentially jacking around. On the right before field. the like, Illinois beat down. Yeah. He's like, maybe we should quit jacking around. I look, I think you have I think you have some things that are fundamentally at odds <laughs> that Frost has Great. to figure out. <laughs> Honestly. I, I think you have I mean, I think you he, and he needs to really think about this stuff and he needs to figure it out. I think I'm not sure your message is entirely clear to your team. I think you say, I think you say, and he has said, we, we want to be the most physical team. We want to hit, like physical, right? We want mm. Physical. We want to hit hard. That's not how you call a game. You don't call a game tapping into physicality. You, you, you're, you're essentially calling a finesse offense. Not all the time, but a good, a good amount of the time. A lot of finesse, a lot of trickery, a lot of motion, confu- right? Just like a lot of You're not, not downhill physical. being physical. You're not. Yeah, you're just not. And so like, and maybe it's because you can't, I don't know, I, right? But I, I just think if you're the team, right? just imagine that. You're being on the team and you're being told physical. We're going to be physical. And then you're kind of doing some, you're kind of doing some some grab ass like <laughs> play calls, right? Like it's that's just at odds, and, and I just think that look, Frost, he's a young 
coach, r- relatively speaking, sure. experience wise, age wise, all that. But I think he's got to really think hard about what role he wants to play, the image he wants to project. I know he's like the kind of he's the he's the players coach kind of thing. And there's a place for all that. There's a place for any kind of style. Um, but I, I Just don't know. Just go man. get the results. Because the, the, here's the deal. Look, Chris, there, it's, not, it's not just one thing. Several things are off right now. It's not just one thing. It's not just because you don't have a good quarterback or something. Because actually you do. You have a handful of pretty good ones. But what kind of offense are you trying to run? Um, it's not that you don't have like size for the Big Ten. You got that. It's not that you don't have skill in the program. You have that. It's not that your culture is terrible and guys aren't strong enough. No, you're, you're good there. Like, there are some other things that are just off. And, like, I hope that he is spending, and it could be the most subtle, mundane thing that none of us are talking about, that if they flip can make all the difference in the world. It's a detail. Mm. They're, they're right? You know what I mean? It is a detail. There are details right now that are just off. Because it's not leading to there, – there, there is no reason. Reasonable reason? There is no reasonable reason, really, that, that Coach Frost in Nebraska should be 10 and 19. Bro, 10 of those games are by like eight points or less. Like yeah. It's, it's just like why, why do they always – not always. Why do they consistently tilt in the opponent's favor? consistently it does close game tilts in the opponent's favor why what is that what are those details what are you doing as a coach what tone are you setting what signal are you sending or not sending what are you allowing Mm. or not allowing right there's there are a few things that are off and he meant he needs to diagnose and figure those things out and it might have to do with his overall plan the plan coming in he's, he's good with plans Frost and the, and the and the staff have plans for everything. I have I'm very confident in that, but they don't always work. So what what is it? What I mean, really, what what are the details? And is he going to diagnose them? Is I, he going I think to they're fix diagnosed. I, I, it's about it's about application and fixing, and it it's it's quarterback play, it's offensive line, it's. Running game, it's wide receivers. I mean, it's football. It's football, and the other the other side of this is like the the stepchild this year is supposed to be the defense. Is the defense going to be a defense has carried Nebraska, except for one game? Clearly, well, I think they are actually embodying the culture that you hear about, right? I, mm-hmm. I mean, really, you, you know, fast and physical, right? Like that's that's what they've been trying to build. At to a man, like we're going to be tough. We're going to be physical. We're going to be fast. But tackled. They. I mean, they. They. They, they are. Pretty, that. They are a pretty selfless unit. I mean, there. There's a lot yeah. of sacrifice that's going on. Yep. And you see guys rallying to the football, and they've been called upon in a lot of tight ball games, and they've gotten some stops. They've not been clearly perfect on third down. They've not gotten no. after the quarterback all the time. But man, they're they're they're. Guess what? It was pretty cool if you're a Nebraska fan to see some some Iowa guys limp off the field because they got smoked. And oh, you, you totally, f- you and, flip, and look, you flip Iowa it around. <laughs> it's not the case usually. Your your run game 
got pretty much shut down. Yeah. Nebraska didn't allow Iowa to run wild. That's I mean, great. And that's what you're looking for offensively. Also, special teams just like do the like get the basics down. I don't, I don't need an 85 yard sprint by Wanda. Like, it'd be great. But damn, dude, like get, you know, get six yards on first down on a on an outside zone. And then and then or snap, something, right? And, like and, just, and then snap you know. it on second and four. Yeah. In the strike zone back to the quarterback. Don't have a false start. Don't have a hold. Get open downfield for the quarterback or give the quarterback time to make the throw downfield. I mean, you nailed it. It is it is kind of on the offense to get their stuff together. And, and it's, it's been super frustrated. Frustrated. And there's dude, and, and I'm convinced that it's something there is something that is off with what the with what the coaches are saying or doing. We're practicing. It is probably some of the most minute of details that is just off. And it's not it's not translating. And they gotta figure out whatever the hell that is. I don't think any of us know what the hell that is. I think it's a lot of grasping at straws. It's a lot of things. <laughs> it's a lot of things that turn into one big thing. Well, we'll uh, get more into Nebraska and Purdue. Brandon Vogel will check in. He did a really awesome podcast his i80 podcast takes a look at the frost offense and the diaco d today gary sharp will be with us uh one of the many topics this week was about tough love hard coaching leadership that locker room and uh, one of the best to do it on the field and in the locker room grant wistrom caught up with us uh this week the rewind is next Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, Tale of Our City Weekend, and uh, Grant Wistrom's next. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with you, Tale of Our City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and uh, we say hi to Husker and College Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ, Grant Wistrom with this hole number 98. Grant, how, how's your uh, your fall going, man? It's good to spend some time with you. It is. It's been a fast fall, Smitty. I'm not going to lie to you. We're deep into trying to get our medical marijuana businesses up and running down here. Uh, I've gone back to work as a real estate agent. Uh, there is very little time for rest these days. Do you have kind of a Marty Bird setup for me down in the Ozarks? Uh, no, no, we're not quite to that status yet. I haven't bought a casino, uh, but if things go right, I might. I'll, I'll invite you down to our uh, big spender room there. No, that that'd be good, man. Uh, yeah. You know, good for you. How do you like? We'll get into football in two seconds, I promise. But how do you like real estate? I love it, actually. Um, back even when I was playing football, I used to own a real estate agency. Uh, when I got out, I started buying rental homes. My wife loves to design homes. She loves to uh, go in and remodel and flip homes. So, uh, And I, I always enjoy helping people, too. So this gives me an opportunity to combine two things that I really enjoy doing. Uh, or, you know, I enjoy the real estate market, but I really enjoy making people happy, finding what they want, and putting in, uh, put either, you know, right now I'm working as mainly as a listing agent, so mm-hmm. hopefully getting people the most bang for their buck and get the most they can for their home, so when they get onto that next place, they can get exactly what they want. Well, back to the medical marijuana, I mean, how has is, how is that continued to, to, to move forward for you? Uh, it's, it's been a long process. 
Uh, hopefully, we will be up and running. Our dispensary will be open by February 28th. That's our goal. Uh, we're going to have to file for a time extension with the state, but we've got a good case for that. Um, you know, I was just reading through an article from the state. They're going to be, I think they're going to be not lenient with us as far as people that haven't met the time deadlines because, quite honestly, with everything that's going on in the world right now, it, everything's taken twice as long. Mm-hmm. So trying to build a building, remodel, permits, order equipment, everything's taken twice as long now. So uh, the state has just come out and talked about how uh, they are going to be looking at our request for time extensions and, you know, hopefully being kind of not lenient with them for those people that have proved that they are trying to take steps forward to make this happen, but just give us a fair chance to get these businesses open. Well, best to you. I know you're busy. And Grant, uh, with all that uh, swirling around, have you had much time to catch Nebraska on, on Saturdays this year? Uh, I watch them every opportunity I get, Smitty. Um, uh, so, yeah, every chance I get, I watch them. What's your take? I mean, what's your, what are your what are your thoughts? Are you seeing some improvement? I know the record's not not what you guys are used to. Who who won championships? Yeah, and you know it's a different time, but you know it, the the Illinois game was uh, the very frustrating to say the least um i mean i don't know i think about that's about as poor a performance as i've seen in a long time uh but you know they, they bounced back against iowa granted you know they they didn't win they had opportunities at the end of the game and but they went out there that's a really good iowa football team they battled with them they didn't give up uh and that's once again i go back to all i'm looking for so I really think the biggest issue with this team is just finding their identity and finding a way to finish games and to win games. They've identified every way possible to lose a game. But we kind of need to flip the script there and start figuring out ways to win football games. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Grant, Coach Frost references you and Jason from time to time, specifically your leadership qualities, uh, and uh, he, he talks about culture keepers, and, and I wanted to go there with you real quick. From your time in Nebraska, from freshman to, to senior and the championships in between, who did you learn from? at Nebraska, is there a big brother or someone who paid it forward to you and then ultimately you paid it forward to somebody below you? I mean, give me the, the setup of kind of your role, Jason. I mean, we've heard stories, but just what, what type of responsibility did you feel with the program? You know, when I first got there, we it was an incredible D-line room. I mean, I had Terry Keneally, who you know, embodies what Nebraska football is all about, uh, to look to, to see how to get things done, to do things the right way. Uh, and there are a number of other guys in there, Jason Pesterfield, you know, uh, Christian Peter, there are a lot of guys out there that just showed up to work every day and set the tone. And so, you know, when I got there, it was just easy to fall in line. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the standard had been set. There was no, backing away from that standard either so you know all Jason and I did was just carry on what had already been established and so you know and I also say that Jason was somebody that I looked to mm-hmm. uh, I'm not the most in your face of a confrontational sort of guy 
so I had to take a lot of that from Jason. Jason is not afraid to, for, of confrontation to say the unpopular thing. Uh, so I had to learn from him in that regard. You know, that was just the guy that I was standing shoulder to shoulder with. We came in at the same time pretty much. Um, and then after that, you know, I, I think guys like Kyle Vandenbosch came in behind us uh, who, once again, the standard was set, and Kyle just went in and adhered to the standard. And at some point along the way, we let the standard slip. And, I, you know, and that's what Scott's there to fix. And I still firmly stand behind that that is the right man with the right group of coaches with him to get the job done. Grant, you talk about that standard, right, and, and you just outlined the process and what example was there, what needed to be carried forward, and then what needs to be rebuilt uh, with with the, the the standard. And, I mean, you got to pour that concrete, right? But you got to make sure the guy pouring it knows how to pour it. And I think, is that part of this process as we get back to the, the finishing a game part? I mean, is that something you had to learn, or did you feel pretty good about uh, coming in uh, as a as a high level player. I mean, because these guys don't have a lot of winning history. It's not that they aren't putting effort forth, but the, the results are the results. You eventually need something good to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to come from a good program, and uh, where and it was just instilled in me early that you know high school program I was referring mm-hmm. to, where you know. You just don't lose. Losing is not an option. You know, the, the, to, to think of a way to lose a game, and nobody thinks of a way to lose a game, but there's ways to think of not to win games. And it just wasn't an option. And, and I, I don't – losing is an attitude and winning is an attitude. And if you believe that you're going to win every time you step on the field, good things are going to happen for you. Even if you're on a bad football team, believe in yourself, believe that you're going to win, believe that things are going to go your way. You can't just sit there and sit on your butt and hope for it. you got to work for those things. But having a positive mental attitude about those things does help as well. And when we got there, that was there already. I mean, they competed for a national championship before. They believed they were going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think you made a great analogy with the guy pouring the concrete needs to know how to pour. And that's Scott's job and the coach's job to change that culture. And, man, I know it's, we're not where we want to be. But I truly believe we are headed in the right direction. I don't think I don't think anybody else can get the job done. I believe in Scott. I believe in Eric. I believe in the guys that are there. Uh, and it's going to happen. I truly believe that to my core. And it's just like you said, the guy pouring the concrete, you know, he needs to do his job too, and Scott will get the job done. Couple more minutes. Grant Wistrom's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Grant, uh, when it comes to connecting with with younger players, you've had a chance to to speak to the team, and it's you know pre COVID. But how do you try and connect with the, the the you know the generation that's now eighteen to twenty two? And I'm not calling you old. <laughs> I promise you. You wouldn't be wrong. But, you know, I mean, we're, you and I are of a certain age and, and guys that, you know, we have kids that are now teenagers. But how does how does a guy that, that cranked out such an incredible career at Nebraska try and connect with the next group of 18 to 22-year-olds who, oh, great, there's, there's championship trophies, but they weren't even around when, when they happened? Right, right. But you know what? We're all football players. 
We all love to win. And so there is that common theme that runs through all of us. We're all competitors. So if you're 44 or you're 18 stepping onto the, you know, into the locker room for the first time, there's a connection there. We all love football. We all want to win. We all went to the University of Nebraska for one reason. And that connects you. And, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to do it for a long time, but I really believe that every time that Jason and I get to step in front of that team or whenever Scott brings any, mm-hmm. you know, ex-player in, uh, passionate player, the kids sit up and listen. They do understand it. The kids that, the kids that give a crap are going to sit up and listen. The kids that are too cool for it, it doesn't matter who you bring in there. They're not going to listen to those guys. That's not who we're talking to. We're, we're talking to the kids that care, the kids that want to buy into Nebraska football. And those kids that listen – are the kids that'll show up on the field because they're you know they're going to listen, Jason, and that's not why they're going to be good football players. Mm-hmm. They're going to be good football players because they do the little things right. They pay respect. They listen to their coach. They show up on time. They get the job done. That's why they're going to be good football players. It doesn't have anything to do with what Jason and I say, but you know we're all football players, and that's the common connection. And if you know, I'm in real estate now. If a hundred-year-old man came in that sold 600 houses last, you know, in sure. 1985, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. This guy's done it at the highest level and done a great job, and I'm an idiot if I think I can't learn something from him. So at some point, you know, age isn't a factor, and you're like, these guys have done what I want to do. They've been where I want to be. Maybe they can drop some pearls on me and help us get in the right head in the right direction. Grant Wistrom. Grant, we'll let you out on this, and thanks for spending time today. Uh, the uh, topic of hard coaching came up. I really enjoyed Adrian Martinez's perspective earlier in the week. Is there an incident you recall from Coach McBride kind of making it a little difficult for you on maybe a Tuesday practice, but, man, it paid off in the long run? Oh, it, it, it was every day, Schmitty. <laughs> every freaking day. There was no... There was no backing down ever. It was every day was a dog fight, and you went out there and we battled against the best offensive line in the country every day, and, and it showed when we stepped on the field on Saturdays. Grant Wistrom's with us. Grant, have a good uh, rest of your day and uh, continued success to you. Thanks for a few minutes, man. All right. Thank you, Schmitty. We'll talk to you later, man. Grant Wistrom, uh, good sit down with him, and uh, that was the rewind. Love chatting with Grant. And he addressed a lot of topics. The uh, tough love right there with Coach McBride connecting with uh, that 18 to 22-year-old. You know, the topic of football and competition and wanting to win. And uh, the thing about Grant is he and Jason absolutely did it at the (laughs) highest level. And uh, Nebraska's trying to get back to that, but unwavering belief and support with Scott Frost, Coach Chenander, this Nebraska staff, and uh, the direction that he thinks they'll get to. And you know what? Grant's seen a lot of football, won a lot of championships, and uh, it'd be good for this stupid pandemic to finally get eradicated so the, the guys in that Nebraska locker room can here from former Husker grades and current Husker grades. So uh, that was really awesome. Nice of Grant to spend some time. Good for him on his real estate endeavors. And uh, we'll be back hour two. It's coming up with Hale Varsity Weekend. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. 
Brandon Vogel is in the on-deck circle. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Cousin Dino at 8.50 with his prediction. That's on the way. Hour 2 with Hale Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Good to be back with you, Tower 2. It's the weekend edition, Alebar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Tell you what, you want to find some awesome podcasts? Just get to the Herd Dat Media platform. You can find it at HailVarsity.com. Can hear Greg Smith. Can hear uh, Derek Peterson. Can check out Jacob Padilla. Can check in with Aaron Sorensen. And you can hear Brandon Vogel in the I 80 podcast. And he gets that dropped uh, every uh, Wednesday or Thursday during the week. And we say hi to our managing editor with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Can find it on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play. And when you're done listening to the podcast, you can get uh, Dream Like a Champion. That's Brandon Vogel's book with head coach John Cook. We say hi to Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how you feeling this morning? It's Nebraska. It's Purdue, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't It doesn't quite have the sizzle. Uh, maybe, you know, a Nebraska-Wisconsin or Nebraska-Iowa. But uh, I, I actually I, I like West Lafayette. Um, been here. Man, it seems like Nebraska has played, well, back-to-back road games uh, against Purdue in back-to-back years. I feel like I've been here a lot, but it's a pretty good place. So, Nebraska's been to West Lafayette, and, dude, those are not good memories for a lot of Nebraska fans. In fact, (laughs) Cranach, you've tried to to block out many memories the last few years. I don't have many recollections. Right, and and, and, uh, Grey Goose has helped you with that. I think Nate Gary gave up on a tackle at one point, and this goes, a really there was a really pale quarterback that threw a lot of interceptions. That's about it. That's about all I've been wow. able to commit. Wow. So, Vogues, how do you, when you hit the uh, welcome to West Lafayette, I mean, is, is there a little PTSD that happens uh, when you see other folks in red or what? <laughs> no, actually, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it, about how horrific some of those games have been. I, re- I remember... I mean, did Politi come here? The last time he was here with that team, that was they, pretty horrific they, loss. Then you, go ahead, bud. Sorry. Yeah, that was a pretty horrific loss. And then you had the, the Tanner Lee game, um, which was, like, fun, but in a dumb way. And then, yeah, last year uh, <laughs> was – was uh, <laughs> was was pretty rough as well. So I, I think maybe maybe I'm like Kratak in that I've just blocked it all out. Yeah, it's the way to go. It's the way to go. Like rather than deal with your feelings, just repress them. Um, <laughs> I think that's the that's the way to go. Look, I, I'm I'm looking at this season. I, I I've seen just a turn, and I think since Iowa, and just kind of general tenor of the fans, and then myself too where it's just like look 10 and 19 really like figure it out i I just feel like we've talked about so many details so many things it's culture it's offensive line it's play calling it's receivers it's running backs 
who's starting a quarterback, what are you doing with the black shirt, blah, blah, blah. You go on and on and on and on. But the bottom line is, this team should have a better record, considering how they recruit and everything else, than they do. What kind of... <laughs> What kind of introspection do you think is required right now of the staff, Frost in particular, to kind of get this thing on track? Because honestly, Brent, I don't think it's that far away, but it also feels very far away. Yeah, I don't think it's that far away either. Um, And, you know, what kind of mindset do you need? Um, Probably... Probably the big picture mindset, um, because it, it really is as simple as this. Like, Nebraska should have more wins than it does right now. Like, it, and you could, we could look at that from a, a number of different angles, but the simplest one is just based on the number of points they've scored in the last. Like, they, they should have 13 wins right now um, mm-hmm. based on their, their scoring differential. Uh, looking at it this week, other teams since 2018 who are in that, like, oh, probably should have three more wins area are Wisconsin, one, which surprised me. Um, Miami is in that group. North Carolina is in that group. Um, So you've got some teams that have better records than Nebraska won. But just you you look at it from that perspective of it it gets hard to continue to be like, well, it's not as bad as it looks. It's not as bad as it looks. Because at the end of the day, all that really does matter is – is the wins that you're able to actually count. Uh, and Nebraska keeps coming up short. So I think there is a little bit of fatigue with just that kind of mindset of it's not as bad as it looks. People are tired of that. <laughs> they want to see it. Okay, let's see how good it actually is. Vogues, folks are just zapped. And this year's done that anyway. And you're thankful for football, and then you get football, and then the fan base is frustrated because you're not playing winning football. And like, okay, great, so the effort's better, but then you still have the Illinois thing occur in this program. You go out, you're right there with Iowa, and that that's just that could have been the same result, picky year. And it's just going to be that type of ball game, right? But you've seen this movie so many times with Nebraska where they have a chance to go kind of change the message with the result we're talking about. And and they don't get it done. And I, I just folks are for folks are tired of it, but they are still hanging on because there there is plenty of possibility with this season. And and that's today for Nebraska. That's next week, possibly against Minnesota or somebody else. And then you'll match up with a like program, theoretically, for, for December 19th. I mean, Nebraska could flip this around. We talk about the horrors of Purdue back in 2015, right, where not only do you lose a shootout 55-45, but you lose DPE as well, right? I mean, just so it could flip around in 2015, and I hate to go to the Riley area era for something like great, but that thing ended up okay, a little bit of an upswing, right? So it's not impossible for it to happen. It just feels, man, like it doesn't feel like it's ever gonna happen. Yeah, and I think I think that's part of 
why things, you know, you, you feel like people are a little bit checked out. Um, it, it's been a, you know, a hard year, obviously, for for everyone. Um, and, and for that reason, I, I think I think the hurdle Nebraska actually had to clear coming into this this weird makeshift schedule was pretty low. Like Husker fans, you know, were were realistic. I, I, nobody, you know, you, you always hope for the best, but I don't think anybody came into this expecting more than like a 500 year. And, and technically, Nebraska could still get there, but sitting right now at one in four, I think it was okay. The the bar was relatively low, and Nebraska hasn't even been able to hit that. Um, so I think that compounds things a little bit, just with the general feel around the program right now, but you could start changing that today. You've got a coin flip game basically um, against a team that you haven't beaten with, with this coaching staff in place, um, but, but you should be able to. They, they play a similar style. Like Nebraska and Purdue are very much kind of in the same spot in the Big Ten pecking order at the moment. Um, you can't fix that in one day, but uh, you can go out and try and get a win and really show some proof, I guess, that, hey, maybe there is something more down the road. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, the offense is just puzzling, to say the least. Um, kind of middle of the road in terms of yards per play in the conference. Um, but scoring, I mean, Brandon, they're at 20 points a game, right? Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, come on. You're second to last in the Big Ten. Big problem, big, big problem is the red zone where their conversion rate with touchdowns is just abysmal. Um, and look, that every, every spread offense deals with that, where it's like, you know, once you get into the red zone, the field's compressed, you know, it's it's a little harder to, to score. But other spread teams figure it out. Um, wh- what do you think Nebraska has to do? What, what are, or what are they not doing well enough to actually convert when they get to the red zone. Because I'll tell you, if Nebraska even just gets a couple more of those, you're looking at a team that maybe has a plus 500 record right now. Yeah, if you'd asked me coming into the year if Nebraska would be closer to averaging 40 points a game or 20 points a game, I would have taken 40. Now, I don't think they would have been averaging 37, 38, but I think that's where they need to get to. Um, And with the experience they had coming back, like – 20 was not was not part of the budget for me when I was uh, doling out theoretical points for the offense. Uh, in the red zone, I think Nebraska's got a, a handful of problems, I think. Um, I don't know that the receiving core, as, as it's currently constructed, uh, scares opposing defenses when you get down there, so it's already compressed. Um, you, can, you can count on... You can feel confident if you're a Big Ten defensive coordinator in your ability to to cover those receivers for a short amount of time, uh, which is all you have to do in the red zone. Uh, without two of their well, their top two running backs from the start of the season, uh, Nebraska struggles to just hand the ball off. Uh, it can run with the quarterback, but <laughs> everyone knows that's what's coming. Uh, so you know, I think a little bit of it is is personnel in in the red zone. A little bit of it is, is execution too. Um, because yeah, eventually, you know, if you can create enough time, any receiver will get open down there. Uh, but then do you have the quarterback? You can kind of process that and, and, and pick that guy out. So it's, it's a lot of it. Um, the, the solution to scoring in the red zone, uh, at a more frequent clip might be to 
find a way to score from 30 or 40 yards out because Nebraska mm-hmm. would take that too. Vogues, tell me why you feel good about today. Last week was last week's game against Iowa was one of the more encouraging, I think, Nebraska performances in, in terms of how they played um, overall mm-hmm. since probably the end of 2018. Um, that was a really good Iowa mm-hmm. team, and, and Nebraska stayed on stayed on schedule. Um, it, it stopped the run at a at a degree that I I didn't think it would be able to coming into it. Um, you know. Really, all around, it, it, it played really well. It just had a special team turnover at, at exactly the right time or exactly the wrong time. Um, and, you know, Iowa did all of the classic Iowa things of we're not going to do those things. So, you know, I, I, I felt like people kind of looked at that game as, oh, here's another case of, of Nebraska beating itself, which you can kind of say that about any game that's close. Um, and, and focus on the kind of high-profile, game-changing plays. But for the most part, I thought Nebraska played really, really well. Um, they had kind of the easy motivation of you just got your butt whooped by Illinois. Um, so I think that'll be the most interesting thing early today is, okay, you, you, you didn't beat Iowa. You played pretty well. Um, you got to come out and kind of manufacture your own. You know, you don't have that we've got to go wipe away the Illinois loss this week. So that'll be something to watch. Yeah. And just to illuminate your point, um, you know, Nebraska held Iowa to under three yards to carry 2.87, which is their season low. Um, so, you know, Nebraska obviously doing something right. Better performance than even Northwestern churned out against Iowa. Um, so yeah, there, there, there are some things to like, um, but you're just trying to figure out like, how is how does none of this turn into a, a W? Um, how much do you think Diedrich Mills in his absence has affected this offense in total this year? It, it's it, it's a factor. I don't I don't think if he's here, you know, if he's he's available for these past couple of games, you know, Nebraska's averaging twenty four points a game. Um, I, I don't know that he's he's worth that much, but because I think you know the, the offensive line play right now um, might be the most kind of disappointing part of this 2020 season. Um, Nebraska struggled with the handoff run game in 2019, and it doesn't feel any different here. In, in fact, they're having to lean they're having to lean on the quarterback run more this year than they even did last year. Um, so. It would it would be good to to have the the two guys that that kind of won those top two spots through through fall camp, um, but until I see something different from from the offensive line, I just don't know how much having one of those one of those two backs back there uh, really changes. Hey, quick uh, quick follow here. So um, Derek Peterson of Hale Varsity did a did a. Really nice, nice uh, long article on on Cam Jurgens, and of course Cam's been a hot topic because of the snaps. Um, you know, in the article, Derek talks to Rob Zadiska, he talks to Matt Hoskinson, some some guys that know offensive line, know the position. Uh, for folks that haven't read it yet, and recommend you do at HaleVarsity.com. What what is the general consensus from the guys that know offensive line about Cam Jurgens? Um, I, 
I think the the big takeaway is that this this sort of snap stuff can be fixed. Um, you know, Matt in particular um, had some really good stuff in that story uh, on snapping. You know, it's it's a technique thing. Um, you know, the other part of this is last week in particular, uh, I always got a really really good defense tackle um, and, and another really good uh, defensive lineman in Chauncey Goldston. You know. It, you, you weren't you weren't snapping against you're snapping against future pros um, it, it, in a couple of cases. Not to make excuses because you're going to have to do that a lot in the Big Ten. But I do think that was part of it. You know, I think the big takeaway with with Jurgens and, and you know Frost did not <laughs> mince any words in his defense of him on on Monday. He said too too good not to play and he's too good to even consider moving somewhere else, which a lot of people might disagree with, but. You know, I think for former offensive linemen and for people who really know the position, yes, the, the, the snaps are an issue, and you got to get that fixed. But how did he play on the other 55, 60 plays, however many plays he got last week against Iowa? And, and, in, and in that regard now, the offensive line needs to be better as a whole, but Cam Jurgen shows a lot of good things the majority of the time. It's just when he has his kind of – you know, one real big weakness everyone notices because you need him to start the play. Vogues, as you've uh, looked at the matchup here with Nebraska-Purdue, give me a thought here on the reputation versus the reality of uh, everyone's favorite former defensive coordinator. What's going on with Purdue defensively as you've analyzed and, and how big a challenge added is the red zone today? And, and I think that that'll be a difference. Big plays are always huge, but I think those the, the team that scores most on big plays, and this is just freaking great analysis, will, will be more, more likely to be victorious today because there's a lot of toys Purdue may have. We don't know who's opted in, who's opted out. And then Nebraska, if they can hit a big play, that, that certainly helps because they've not been good themselves when it comes to touchdowns over field goals in the red zone. But that's that's a, that's a dirty Bob specialty, isn't it, the red zone D? <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, that's that's kind of a, a key part of the plan. And he, he's trying to, you know, build the, the kind of classic Bob Diaco chessboard here of keep everything in front of you. You know, it's not gonna it's not going to be a high – takeaway team typically it's not going to be a high sack and tackle for loss team they're just going to make you drive it and and you know go 10 11 12 plays if they can uh you're going to have to earn it and and Purdue's like it's about where you think they'd be i i think uh with a kind of strange offseason in the first year under a new defensive coordinator which is to say statistically it's it's pretty similar uh, to, to Nebraska's defense in, in a couple of, like, when you're looking at a efficiency and, and explosiveness, they, they really keep a lid on things um, with the run game. Uh, their explosive rushes percentage is, is, is low. You can get them in the passing game, so that, that makes this interesting because, as we know, Nebraska has really struggled to, to find those, those kind of big passing plays, although I think there's been a couple of, you know, Nebraska hit for, for more explosive plays against Iowa than, than I would have expected. Iowa was top 10 across the board there. Um, and you saw a couple of those in the passing game, too. So, Wandale Robinson seems to be finding a little bit of a groove. So, 
I think I think that'll be the key. Uh, if, if Nebraska is hitting some of those in, in the passing game, it's something Purdue has given up. Uh, and then you know, flip around and, and kind of watch the run game. Is Nebraska really not getting those those big runs, particularly from the quarterbacks? Because if that's the case, then Purdue's doing some of the things that it wants to do. And hey, don't look now. Northwestern game aside, Adrian Martinez has been really efficient throwing the ball this year, hasn't he? Has that surprised you a little bit, the numbers he's putting up? I mean, he's at 68% right now and 12 of 15, 3 of 4, 18 of 20. You know, Northwestern was 12 of 27, but hello, that, that'll work, right? Yeah, it, it, it will. And, I, you know, I think they've done a good job. And, again, you look at this, like, with, with the receivers Nebraska has at the moment, like, They've kept things pretty contained in that passing game, um, kept things pretty manageable for, for either quarterback who's in there. And, and Adrian has really done a good job of kind of taking what's there for the most part, which is, which is why that Northwestern game still really sticks out. Um, and you go back and you look at it, at least statistically, um, probably not as bad as it, as it felt then, but you watch the game and, of course, you have the – Interception that was just, you know, you, you can't put the ball up like that over the middle of the field. Um, but you also just saw him kind of sitting back there and working through things. But for the most part, uh, minus that game, you haven't, you haven't seen that a whole lot. And that's, that's been a pretty good development. Um, I think it's what you'd expect to see out of a third-year quarterback. Brandon Vogel. Vogues, uh, as we wrap here, and uh, thanks for checking in with us from uh, – from Purdue Peatland, uh, interested here on a special teams thought. If you're a, a betting man, which special teams is least awful today, Purdue's or Nebraska's? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the right way to put it. Um, I, I I would give the edge to Nebraska. Um, Purdue hasn't hasn't been great, and and you know, and Nebraska hasn't been perfect either. But the the place kicking um, with Connor Culp, it, it, it's nice not to feel like every field goal is an adventure. So you can kind of check that. And and the punting, I would say, has been good more often than it's been bad. But it's still not. You still can't count on Nebraska to just lock that part of the game up. But. You know, last week Purdue Purdue Rutgers played about the most even game you'll find. There's there's one yard difference in rushing and one yard difference in passing between those two teams, and it kind of swung on a on a 100 yard kickoff return for the Scarlet Knights. So, uh, small edge, I guess, to Nebraska on special teams, which doesn't feel like we get to say very often. Real quick, too, do you expect Nebraska to temper their tempo? And I ask that because uh what Rutgers did in the fourth quarter, 13 minutes of possession time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of it depends on are, are they able to consistently stay on schedule. And I think if they are, uh, Nebraska can and, and probably should use that. Um, um, you know, I, I, the good thing for Nebraska here is if they, they can play that kind of way, the way a Bob Diakrodizis asks you to, like patiently just go four or five yards at a time and – you know, it's kind of a test of will. They can do that, um, but if they can get some tempo into it, I think you you kind of open up the possibility of, of generating some of those big plays that that we know are important. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine. Check out his podcast, iTunes, Google Play, 
Spotify, the I-80 podcast, and on the Herd at Media Network. Bogues, uh, enjoy the game. Thanks for checking in this morning, bud. Thank you. All right. Thanks, good, Brandon. Good to talk with Brandon Vogel, man. You know, Chris, I, f- I just found one of the most ridiculous statistics um, can that you, I can reveal. Can you can you reveal that shortly? Side, yes. On the other side of well, the break. That's a tease. Blow Gary Sharp away with this statistic. Okay. It's Nebraska. I'll give you a little hint. Nebraska's got four chances today to make some hay. I'll, we'll explain. Ah. Four chances per game. The Iron Horse is... Uh, Coming up, and uh, Cousin Dino, his prediction in about 20 minutes. It's Hale Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranick. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Weekend Edition. We say hi to the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, good morning. How are you? Good morning, boys. How we doing? Doing good, man. Feeling okay about today. Cranack, the floor is yours for this earth-shattering <laughs> statistic. I got a number. I love quizzing Gary on these things um, right. because they're just like completely out of left field. You have very low chance of actually getting the answer right. Makes me feel smart, you know, which is great. Um the number is four. Nebraska will get four opportunities. Nebraska has not gotten more than four of these in any game this year. Do you know what I'm talking about? What has Nebraska not gotten more than four of in any game this year? Uh, red zone opportunities. No. No. Good guess. It is third down conversions. Yeah. So, so this year in five games – Every game, Nebraska has converted four third downs. They converted four third downs against Ohio State, four against Northwestern, four against Penn State, four against Illinois, four against Iowa. That's it. Nebraska has only converted, I repeat, four third downs in every single game this year. Um, Gary, is that good football? (laughs) (laughs) Um. That is not winning football, and that can be the difference between winning close games or just scuttling along and at the end of the day looking at the stat sheet going, really? Uh, That's a startling stat. I mean, that just shows you the inability of the offense to sustain drives or stay on the field on a consistent basis, and that's where we are at one and four. That's a great stat. uh, but, But here's the thing. Today, there are a lot of things about this game that I like, actually, Nebraska, because we don't know what's going on with Purdue. Jeff Brom alluded to opt-outs. Um, you got Bob Diaco's defense, which has really not been as good as they were opening day against Iowa. Uh, they don't force turnovers. They don't get sacks. Uh, they don't get off the field on third down. Just look at what Rutgers did last week. There's a lot of the things that Purdue is struggling with that – You'll find out, I think, a little bit more about Nebraska's offense today, guys, is if they can stay on the field on third down, if they can protect Adrian Martinez, if Nebraska can have big plays and drives and and things like that. I don't think Purdue's not built to give up big plays. They'll keep you in front. Um, But, you know, you got – I think Nebraska, for the first time, Mark, will surpass that number today on third downs. 
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Bold prediction. There we go. Let's see. Gary Sharp's okay. with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, it's been a, a pretty crazy week uh, post-Iowa, and there's a lot of things swirling around. And, and I want to go to this before we, we get to some more Purdue-Nebraska. And What's your feel with just the, the team chemistry uh, with Nebraska, not only the attrition, but just overall, and I don't want to get too deep down the iceberg on culture because I know that that can be a wear out, but just overall with, with guys in the locker room and the accountability side of things, are, are there frustrations? Do you sense frustrations with, um, with the football team as far as, okay, why is X, why does this guy get to do this, but why do I have to do that? Is there that question that's floating in the locker room? Well, there's always favoritism, and it doesn't matter if it's football. It's in our business. Uh, it's in life. That's kind of accepted. Sometimes you're on the good end of that. Sometimes you're on the bad. I think this is what – I don't know. There's, a, there's, a, there's many things that I think frustrate Scott, and one of them is they're this far along in his tenure where you're now to game 30 starting in a couple of hours where you have – you want 85-plus Scott Frost where you eat – breathe and live football. And that's the number one thing in your life. Well, it's a little bit tougher 25, 30 years later to find that kind of person in a huge group. And I think that's what he's searching for is I think he has for the most part buy-in. But what you don't have is you have those outsiders and those outliers, I should say outliers, that you know what, they're not ready for somebody to be in their face and, and hold them accountable because, you know what, if you are lax at going to class, weightlifting, going to practice, uh, and somebody calls you out and you don't respond in kind instead of, yeah, my bad, instead you bow up against them, that's not good. And I think Nebraska has encountered some of those things through this weird season in the locker room. And, I mean, you got, you got some tough decisions to make. Are you playing to win right now and you're going to accept some things that don't meet your cultural standards? Or are you putting down the hammer again in year three to say, we are not let, it's a privilege to play on Saturday. You've got to earn that privilege. I think that's the balancing act that Scott's having trouble with because you may run into the, the issue of some of your best players that could definitely help you are the ones that are not following what you want set in that locker room and in your program. Mm, and well, honestly, Gary, it kind of seems like he's erring on the side of the former. What you were just saying, where nope, unless you're doing something right, unless you're doing everything right, you're not getting on the field, well, right? Guys, like for the most guys, part, it seems like that's that's yeah. where he's that's the side he's erring on this year. Yeah, and, and you guys know this because Mark, you work for a large corporation. Schmitty, you and I have worked for fairly good large corporations. Mm-hmm. Is you can't lie to the people in the room. You can't all of a sudden a guy isn't going to class or isn't coming to, he just misses practice, and all of a sudden he's playing, and everybody goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I went to class. I came to practice. I'm not playing. You know, you've got, you've, you, you've got to, you got to, you got to hold those standards up, and you can't lie to the people in the room. His team knows what's going on. And if you are trying to pull the wool over your own players that are doing the right thing, and you're aiding somebody that's not doing the right thing, boy, then you're into a really, really murky situation. But I, I think also they're running into 
the kind of captains, you know, the captains, if they're playing the best, are the captains your best players? Where their message gets across, if they say, "Hey, why didn't you go to why didn't you go to class today?" You know what? That's penalizing us. Um, so it's a weird right now behind the scenes. It's a weird thing. But let's focus on the on the field stuff. Mm-hmm. That product, especially on one side of the ball, has to well, actually two of the three phases definitely has to get better. And and I think that's where Nebraska is kind of still in park going into game thirty of Scott's uh, tenure at Nebraska. Gary Sharp is with us on on Hale Varsity Radio and. To that end, I, I can't help but wonder, Gary, if it's time to revise the plan. You know what I mean? I, I think Frost came in saying, you know, we're going to mix Oregon speed with Nebraska power. Well, great. If if, if that was easy to do, <laughs> I mean, everyone would do it. It's But there's like two programs that, that can really do both. You kind of have to pick one. You know, Ohio State can do that. Alabama can do that because they can recruit like that. Same with Clemson. Everybody else can't. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, do, do you think Nebraska's at somewhat of a philosophical crossroads even where it's like you're you going to lean more towards Oregon speed or Nebraska power? you got to pick one. Well, I think that comes in the offseason. Um, I, I think you have to look at your personnel and what they do well. Uh, I, I, the problem is, if I ask you this, if I ask this question to you guys, mm-hmm. what does Nebraska do well that you know for sure they'll do today on offense? What would you say? The, the quarterback scramble, Gary. The, there's, there's no. Yeah. That's, that's what. There's, the, you, you don't have anything. They, they, the quarter, they, they the, shoot their, the, they, sh, they, they shoot themselves in the foot. Well, I mean, that's the it. Qu- the quarterback scramble is what all of us had when we were playing in the backyard uh, <laughs> with our buddies. That doesn't work in a Division One football game at Ross A Stadium. Uh, today, but you guys get my point. Mm-hmm. I, I think, though, here's the thing: Scott believes in what's going on. You might have disdain for the process. He believes that he's got the right idea and the right formula to get this offense to where he wants it to be. That I don't think he's 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 going to step down as a play caller, and I don't think he's going to vastly change his offense, guys. The bottom line with this offense, and I think like the running back position is a wash this year because of the injury to Mills. Um, unless you get quarterback fixed, this program isn't going anywhere. I've asked the question to a lot of people this week. I'll turn it back to you because I'm curious. I have, I, I respect both of your opinions. Mm-hmm. Is it easier to fix Adrian Martinez's woes or fix the other ten guys that are around him that makes Adrian better? Man. I mean, just from a numbers. If you, the way you answer that question will tell you, I think, where you think this offense can go. There, there's, there's, Adrian, a lot of, there's a lot of fixing around him, right? I mean, it's, it's not just him, and, and I thought he looked good last week. That's, that's one snapshot, right? I mean, you've got the quarterback merry-go-round going around, but you've not had consistent O-line play. You don't have guys getting open. Or guys that can get open don't know the playbook, and you've had very little from the running game. So, I mean, it's it's a job. It's a job to fix the other ten, Gary. I think Adrian's pretty well. I think he's pretty well fixed. You can win I, with you can win with him. I think you can. I think this year, you take the Northwestern game out, um, which is hard to do. I know, um, but. His percentages have been good. His running's been good. He's taken better care of the ball. Uh, you know, I think you got to look. You got to figure out 
when I watch Xavier Betts just move physically mm-hmm. as a human being, he moves differently than almost everybody on the field. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then I'll throw Wandale in there. Wandale plays at a at an energy level that is just different than most everybody else on the field. I don't think he's not actually a super fast guy. <laughs> he's pretty quick. He's not he doesn't he's not a breakaway guy, but dude will bring it all game long. Xavier runs like a freaking gazelle. You got to figure out how to get those guys the ball often. That that's I mean, you know what I mean? I think it's it's yeah. almost that's it's and it's not that simple, but it's almost that simple. Well, here's the thing. I think it's another part of the offseason. You know, we talked about this last Saturday. Alante Brown flashed on his one touch. Xavier Betts flashed on his one touch, and they never came back around, you know, either from the flow of the game or what they were doing you know, with the quarterback. I, I think another dynamic in the offseason is Scott Frost and Matt Lubick need to get to know each other much better from I'm your boss to you're my assistant. They've never been in this relationship before, even though they have a lot of familiarity with each other. It just seems that you listen to both of them. What they kind of want to do as pet plays is different, mm-hmm. and I think they definitely have to get on the same page and work work through familiarity of in their current role to see where this offense goes. Because right now it, it just seems like it's a hodgepodge of of okay, the quarterback run is so dominant we just. We just run with the quarterback, and it, and it handicaps the rest of our offense. And that's the confusing and frustrating thing is we shouldn't be going into December, and this offense, you have no idea what they're doing. You know, it's just like spinning the roulette wheel, and here we go. It stops right there. This is the play we're going to run. That's, that's not how you survive, and that's what it feels like right now. Does it, does it go much further, though? Like, it's, this is all true, everything that we're talking about. Um, but you, I mean, you have you have a really inexperienced center. You have a freshman right tackle. You have a freshman left guard. It, you're just you're really young on the offensive line, and therefore you're not very good on the offensive line, well, and therefore nothing on offense is going to be good. Well, is it right? Well, is it Mark, maybe gonna, that I'm, simple? I'm going to stop you there. I hate this. I hate this that we're using the word young with the offensive line. They played a lot of football together, and remember. All of the stuff in the offseason, you basically knew who the starting five was, and they repped together. It's amazing. Bryce Bennett has had a really good year for a, basically a true freshman playing on the offensive line. We don't even talk about him, either for the good or the bad, which is probably really good. Good point. Cam Jurgens has played a lot of football at Nebraska. Cam Jurgens should not – and the thing that, that, that really clouds Cam Jurgens, Cam Jurgens as an offensive lineman is really good. I mean, he gets to the second level, he's explosive, but snapping the football, which is one of the main things that he does, along with all the other stuff that goes into being a center, that clouds how good an offensive lineman he is. He's been here for a while, and those, that's, you know, that, that thing sets you off. I just, it's, been a, it's been a struggle all year offensively where Nebraska guys has two touchdown passes. Wandale Robinson oh, hasn't scored yet this year. I mean, what what are we what are we talking about here about this <laughs> offense when they have two touchdown passes and Wandale Robinson hasn't scored? <laughs> it, it shouldn't be that hard, says the. No, because if you look at you know, and the thing you know, I, 
we we kind of we kind of sense that the wide receivers would would be a, a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the Austin Allens and the Vocalex have been really good at their position. It's just the rest hasn't been consistent enough. But I also think it's because they don't know what exactly they want to be or they can trust on a consistent basis from series to series. Are we going to be a running team or are we going to be a short passing team? What are we going to do? But I, Mark, I'll come back with you. You gave a great stat to begin this interview. The two touchdown passes and Wandale has yet to score are things that, man, that's, whew, that's, that's kind of, that also adds to where Nebraska is in this kind of can't do much offensively, even though they've gotten off to good starts offensively. They haven't been able to sustain it for the course of an entire game. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse. Sharpie, we'll get you out of here. Your your gut says what? Your feel for today? You know what? I actually feel good about Nebraska today because I think there's things about Purdue that benefit Nebraska, and it's mostly defensively. Derek Barnes, their number one tackle, is going to be out for the first half due to targeting. That defense has really struggled to get off the field. They have not sacked a quarterback. They're not forcing turnovers. It might be a day where Adrian Martinez or whoever's playing quarterback, Martinez or McCaffrey, they can take a deep breath back there. But I think what has to happen for Nebraska is they need to take control of this game early. Because if you come on the road and Purdue is like, eh, you know, Brom intimated there might be some opt-outs, so we don't know who's going to be out there for Purdue. Nebraska might be able to throw a knockout punch early. Nebraska's gotten off to good starts this year but they haven't been able to sustain them and grab game control. I think if they get off to an early start today, they got a chance to gain some game control, and this might be one of the rare games under Scott Frost where they win pulling away. But I know this. Nebraska is trying to snap a seven-game losing streak in the West Division. All six Western Division opponents they played, the last time Nebraska played them, Nebraska lost. I like Nebraska today in a close game. Purdue plays close games. You know Nebraska's problems under Scott in close games. I will say this, and I've been, I've been strong on this for a couple of days. Purdue is terrible in special teams. Nebraska's not <laughs> great, but they're better than Purdue. This game comes down to one play. It's a mistake. I think it happens in the special teams game, and whoever benefits from it wins. But I like Nebraska today to get their second victory. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse. Sharpie, uh, awesome chat, man. Good to get caught up this morning. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next Saturday. Uh, best to you. and hey, thank, Go ahead. You, you guys do know that this is a rare day today. This is the first time in the month of December in Nebraska football history they played a true road game. Usually in December you're playing the conference championship game or you're playing at a bowl site, so everything is a neutral. Also, don't forget, 28 years ago today, Nebraska yeah. and K-State played in the Coca-Cola Bowl in the Tokyo Dome. The score is irrelevant. The bigger story is the fact that John Perella about knocked out Hawk from Road Warrior in an elevator at 3 in the morning in Tokyo. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Perella about true. that. This That'd is true. Good. I, I want to know the E True Hollywood story. Devaney takes Japan. All right. Oh, it's you know what? They, NEP could do an hour long documentary on Nebraska and Kansas State going to Tokyo together and playing that game. But that was 28 years ago today. That's awesome. Sharpie, be good, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Thank you. Hey, great stuff, guys. Thank you. All right. There he Thanks, is. Gary. Gary Sharp. I remember uh, listening to that thing on the, the radio. It yeah, it was out of nine, weird time. I want like to say it was late at night. 9 p.m. or right? 11 or something, yeah. Late at night here. Uh, yes, yes. Because there, Tokyo is probably, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it's probably 13, 14 hours, mm-hmm. 13, 14 hours ahead. 
Uh, so yeah, that would make sense. Uh, yeah. we, you, we should get Perella on next weekend. Okay. And get, I mean, I'll, I'll shoot him a text. Do nothing but ask him about Japan. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I need to, I need to get a hold of the guys that were part of the, and we can do this too. We get a hold of the guys that were part of the, uh, the, the Bob Devaney travel party. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be good. Uh, look, so Gary mentioned, I, I didn't realize Nebraska's lost seven straight divisional games. It, yeah. And, they, and it, they, it made me look up Nebraska's, the dude, Nebraska's lost nine of their last 11. Yeah. And a guy who's been there to see most of them, bless his heart, in the Heisenberg RV, we say hi to Cousin Dino as he joins us. This is our new 2020 tradition is uh, Cousin Dino Schmidt is with us to give us his prediction, Cranac. You remember Cousin Dino? Of course. Dino, uh, what's going on this morning? Were you at Purdue last year? Um, I missed the Purdue game, um, Chris, last year. I got all the rest of them, but uh, I guess I was just uh, feeling a bit off and um, kind of glad I didn't go. I'm kind of glad you didn't go either. That thing was <laughs> tough to watch. So it's it's been a crazy week, Dino. Got a couple three minutes here. What happens today in West Lafayette? Well, um, certainly hope that we can turn the script on some of the desired outcomes that we'd like to have and um, start to see some of the current results measure up to that. You know, I guess I looked a little bit at uh, Bob Diasco's fiasco with the uh, conflict trophy, but. Uh, you know, as a big, longtime fan, I've got that conflict. And, um, you know, it has conflict with how to approach the game differently so I don't have to get so riled up when it, <laughs> you know, here we go again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, and a conflict with accepting the outcomes. There's very little, um, little delight in moral victories. And um, I hope for the Huskers today to have some trophy memories. Um and I think they do it in a close game. I think we're um, we're looking at a 24-23. I'd like to see a Husker win, and uh, I'm pretty confident that we're we're going to come on on top. There we go. 24-23 says cousin Dino, uh, Dean Schmidt, with his prediction again. Dino, uh, we will FaceTime again at halftime. And I'm going to have a whiskey and a beer uh, to offset this Boilermaker magic that's happened the last two years. Super. Well, I'm going to stick to iced tea for the day, but uh, <laughs> we'll see you after the game. All right. Dino, take care, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks. You bet, guys. All right. Bye. Dino. Cranach, be good. You cheer hard, and uh, we'll uh, be back at it next uh, Saturday, all right? Godspeed, sir. There we go. Good stuff. Gary Sharp, uh, Dean Schmidt, Grant Wistrom, Brandon Vogel. Back at you Monday at 4 with Hale Varsity. Take care.